Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. Hope you had a wonderful Easter. It was certainly a beautiful day in Central Texas just before we were talking and going live here. We were telling them just how beautiful the weather is here, and the blue bonnets are all over Central Texas. Beautiful time of the year. And uh, hope you are enjoying or did enjoy your Easter holiday, and uh, good to have you with us. So many people are talking more and more about what we're doing here, and it's a real honor that you would allow us to be a part of what you are, the way you're gathering information and staying top of what's going on within the industry. We're honored to do this. We do this as a give back to the industry, saying being very grateful for the industry uh, and all it's given us. But also, we're here to really help you understand the issues and give you suggestions on ideas of where how you can improve your business. So that's it's really our give back uh, to the industry. And so it's an honor that you would honor us by telling others about it and listening to it yourself. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award. Today's topic in the Hot Topic segment is going to be uh, how to close more loans faster and more efficiently, and I'll argue even more profitably. We, more profitably, i got extra syllables in there. Uh, Keith Pulaski will be our special guest. He is the principal of Radius Financial Group. He's one of the co-founders of the company, and he has launched this, uh, this process improvement and privileged to have Alice and I in there working with them early on. And uh, I'm really wanting to share this with you, you know, our listening audience, for you to be aware of what leading companies, some of the smarter people in the industry are doing out there to improve their business. A lot of people say, why is it some people can close loans so much faster than we can? Well, stay tuned. Radius Financial Group is going to be one of the ones out there capturing a lot of attention when they go through and complete this process. So Keith Pulaski has very graciously agreed to come on the radio in the Hot Topic segment. We're going to talk about how he started the journey and already what he's benefited from it. And then we're going to have him on here in a number of months after they've got it full swing and uh, talk about the second phase, how all that they've realized from this. So it's important. We're excited to have him on. So be sure to stay tuned all the way to the Hot Topic segment. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, who's doing a great job getting the word out about our radio program. They have the new innovative RateStar product that is something that I want you to learn about. We're going to talk more about it a little bit later. Jim Jump's going to give us a brief uh, pre-recorded message and talk briefly about the program. If you have not gone out and take a look at, taken a look at it, be sure to do so. Also, it is a real special, and sometimes a little bit of, today, it's a heavy note. I want to say um, thank you to Motivity Solutions for being a leading sponsor uh, with us as well. Uh, they have one of the most amazing, sophisticated reporting dashboards and scorecards out there in the market. And the reason I say I have a heavy heart because the the genius behind this, the creative technology genius behind us, behind Motivity Solutions, regrettably passed away uh, a little over a week ago. It was a week ago this past Saturday, passed away while working out. And for those of you that are on my Facebook page, you can see a picture of Keith, excuse me, Todd and I at a uh, at a Denver Nuggets game, uh, he had seats right behind the where the teams are and, and the and the announcers are. It was a great seats, literally right there on the front row, and uh, got to go to one of the games here recently with him. And, and it's just so hard to believe that he's gone. And uh, Tyler uh, Sherman, his brother, and the rest of the company, of course, are going to continue on. They'll carry it forward. They have a lot of depth in, in the bench. One of the things Todd did well is bringing, bring on some strong technology people there. And so they're going to continue on and do real well. But um, I just my thoughts and prayers go out to Todd's family, uh, his beautiful wife, and three children that are in you know somewhere middle school on up to uh, teenagers, and then uh, also to Tyler and the whole family there at Motivity Solutions. Our thoughts and prayers go out to you on this day, the day after Easter. The funeral is on Saturday. I was hoping to be there for it, but snow prevented me from making it there. I wanted to make sure I spent the holiday with my family, but I really wanted to be at the funeral. Velma. I want to say thank you to Velma, Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. That's what Velma stands for. You can check them out at velma.com. They do a great job of 
getting the word out about our program, and they can help you get the words out on your programs to your customer base. You can do a set it and forget it auto campaign, or you can set up custom campaigns on the fly. They do it for me on the fly all the time. And I tell you, they are amazingly responsive. Also, a special thank you goes out to Simplifile, the post-trid world timing. In the post-trid world, timing is of, of essence, and they do a great job of emailing the latest updates and get that getting those out. They also work very collaboratively with, with allow you to work very collaboratively with settlement agents in a real-time, real way, chatting and messaging your changes, and also getting out and tracking those emails, and it has a real good audit trail. So if you're struggling to communicate in a real-time manner and getting not the best results in the back-and-forth electronic communication, check out Simplifile at Simplifile.com. We had Nancy Alley on uh, probably a little over a month ago now, and she just did a great job talking about the product and what they're doing. So check it out. Appreciate, of course, also we say a special thank you to our regulars, Alice, Joe, Andy, Paul Mollo, and Sam Garcia, everyone that's here to make this program a success and provide important information to you, our listening audience. Quick update on uh, MBA conferences. Next week I'll be at the National Technology Conference in L.A., and it is the MBA's conference. Be sure to check it out. Come by the D&H booth. By the way, D&H is becoming a sponsor effective on Monday, next Monday. We're excited to have them on with us. We'll be doing a radio broadcast from their booth. I mean, they have equipped this booth with a full-on TV radio station. Very excited to have this up and live. First time we're going to be doing it from all the new equipment they just ordered. So check us out. See where their booth is. And look forward to seeing you at the technology conference. If you're not registered, get out and check it out. Also, the uh, April 7th, the Single Family Rental uh, Finance Workshop is in Washington, D.C., as is the uh, State and Local Conference Workshop, as well as the National Advocacy Conference. Both are in those, those two are in April 12th through the 13th, and they're back to back at the Capitol Hilton. Finally, there's the Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance Conference. One thing that, you know, you just got to be there looking at that. So, Look forward to seeing you all at one of these conferences. Got the secondary coming up, but check out all the MBA conferences at the MBA Conferences and Education part of the website. And while you're there, sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance. Great service for getting the word out and helping. The MBA makes it so easy. It's just crazy that you're not. You do not have to be a member of the MBA to sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance. Thank you to all of you. I'm looking at people dialed in from literally all over the nation. Appreciate it so much. And now let's get into a rate update, market update with Joe Farr. Joe, good to have you with us, friend. Hey, Dave. Thank you. Good to be here. Hey, we're on an up day so far today. We're up uh, 7.30 seconds on the day. Uh, somewhat attributed to uh, weaker than data. The uh, uh, core PCE came in below expectations, and that was kind of a, a nice thing to see, especially given how sharply uh, – core CPI has been rising, and Janet Yellen had made comments that she thought that the increase in, in inflation uh, may be short-lived, and you know the the miss today on core PCE was uh, a good thing as it relates to, you know, maybe it will not rise too quickly, which would be good for mortgage rates. So uh, the annual rate remained at 1.7% uh, below, as you know, the Fed's target for 2%. Uh, so that was uh, uh, good news uh, and good for mortgage rates. Uh, not so good news, but good for mortgage rates was, had to do with consumer spending. Uh, the the same report produced a consumer spending number that for uh, the current month was, was not bad, but the prior month was revised substantially lower. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, we're seeing lots of people revise their first quarter GDP estimates. Uh, some to as low. Uh, CNBC just put out a consensus of of uh, below one percent. In fact, it was like at a half a point in growth in first quarter GDP expectations. So, uh, if that's the case, that too could be good for mortgage rates, not so good for the economy. Yeah. This morning, pending home sales came out, and uh, in very contrast nice. to what I just talked about, yeah, it was very good. It exceeded expectations. It rose to the best level it's been in like seven months. Uh, and, you know, we had seen a very weak existing home sales number last week, so seeing a good pending home sales number this week was uh, uh, nice to see. 
Then uh, uh, during last week, besides the existing home sales number, uh, we saw that contracts for new home sales exceeded expectations. So that was a good thing. Uh, new home sales rose 2%. Uh, surprisingly, all the growth was related to growth in the West. The other regions didn't do so well, So, uh, and some of that's weather-related. Then uh, durable orders came out last week. They were uh, weak, but pretty close to expectations. Uh, uh, There's very little movement in rates last week. Uh, uh, some of the movement that occurred came following Fed speakers. It was surprising in a week following uh, the Fed statement, Janet Yellen's comments, that uh, several Fed speakers came out with a much more hawkish tone to the economy than what was portrayed in the statement or or what Jan, Janet Yellen had said. So, kind of spooked the market. Some of those were not voting members, but still uh, uh, members of the FOMC. And uh, uh, kind of spooked the market. So uh, there's more speakers on the agenda this week, so we'll have to pay attention to that. Uh, including uh, this week, uh, we have uh, the jobs report on Friday. Uh, an increase of 210 net new jobs is expected. Uh, hourly earnings are expected to increase uh, uh, two-tenths. And, uh you know, one of the comments there is that if that's pretty that's pretty high, and if if it's a small miss to the upside of that, that could be pretty significant in the eyes of the Fed. Okay. No, uh, no new no change in the federal uh, or in the unemployment rates expected. So uh, that's all on Friday. So prior to Friday, we have consumer confidence tomorrow, uh, ADP on Wednesday. Unemployment claims, net new unemployment claims, uh, not net new, but new unemployment claims on Thursday along with Chicago PMI. Also on Friday is the ISM report. Uh, it comes out uh, at, at 10 o'clock Eastern time, a little after the jobs data, uh, along with uh, construction spending and consumer sentiment. So pretty busy week this week. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, had my mic down there. Yeah, it is a very busy week. It's going to be really interesting about the pending home sales numbers. We've won watching last month again. We saw weak existing home sales, better than expected pending home sales. I think that's what it was last week, and we're seeing another pattern. We'll be seeing interesting to see if we see this pattern, but how can pending home sales be better than expected and see existing home sales if this trend continues? I'll be real curious. Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, pending home sales is a more current measure of activity, so yeah. Because it's measuring contracts signed as opposed to actual closing, so uh, we, well, hopefully it'll show up. In the that that home should sales lead numbers. to yeah, it should lead to better existing home sales numbers. Also, what was really interesting was the comments. I was you know me and my podcast. I listened to them on Saturday when I was out working in the yard. So gorgeous here, as you know. I just love being outside. And I listened to so many. And boy, I tell you, there's a lot of people who thought this this was could signal a, a rate hike as early as April. So. And understand why the markets are going to be a little leery and why they need to have the MBS quote line service on their iPhone, on their iPad, and wherever they're at. I have it running, as, as you know. You see me logging in all the time. I'm all over this thing. It's a service that is just so valuable, folks, and I encourage you to sign up for it. In fact, you're going to learn how in just a moment. We're going to be back with Paul Mollo, get the latest headlines from IMF News. We'll be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility over the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to MBSQuoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. MBSQuoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. So good to have you back with us, everybody. Appreciate you telling others again about the podcast. Uh, one of the people that we just enjoy having on. We enjoy every, having everyone on the podcast, but Paul's always got some new insights into the news, does a great job of tracking it. So, Paul, it's good to have you with us. It's good to be here. Can you hear me okay? How are you doing? 
I hear you now, loud and clear. Good to hear you. Good, good to know. Good I'm wearing a headset right. for the first time because my neck hurts from talking on the phone too much. So I had to go to yeah, a headset. Sounds, Man, yeah, it's about time. It it works and it, it saves that and it, a lot of money with the chiropractor if you continue to park <laughs> that up there. So especially with you, but it's good to have you here, Paul. And uh, looking at your head, a reverse mortgage production up 15%. That's really interesting to me. Is it just because of the aging baby boomers? What's what's going on there? You know, the reverse market is is has had its ups and downs for years. Uh, you know, they're coming off a 16 billion dollar year, which isn't isn't half bad. 15% gain from the year before. I should point out, if you look at the top uh, reverse lenders uh, across the board. Uh, they're all non-banks. I mean, listen, everyone knows yeah. banks have gone screaming, <laughs> screaming into the night, uh, you know, with blood dripping from their eyes and ears from this business <laughs> because, you know, they just they just can't take the regulatory hassles and, and any actions against them. So they've ceded the business to the non-banks. And, you know, there's there were some new rules that came out early April, which we mentioned in the story about, you know, assessing uh, heck and borrowers, Willingness and ability to meet their financial obligations in particular, you got to keep close tabs on whether they're paying their real estate taxes and their property insurance because since you're paying money to the consumer, they're not going to go into default that way. They, get, they go into default when they're in arrears on their taxes or something else. Um, so anyway, that's a concern. That slowed volume in the second half for the, for the full year uh, was $16 billion. You know, it's an interesting part of the market. Uh, it's hard to tell. You know, you figure with all the boomers retirement, uh, it's going to be a huge business in the years to come. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, it looks like a, a nice little niche for now. Uh, and, again, the banks or depositories for the most part are absent from this business. So uh, the bigger story, or maybe not bigger story, but sure as heck interesting, Redwood Trust. Uh, that's yeah. a company, publicly traded REIT, oh, that shit. has been, um, you know, restructuring its operations since late last year in January. Uh, they got out of the Fannie Freddie business. They they pulled back a little on com- their commercial business a little bit, uh, and now their president Brett Nichols, uh, he's departing on July one. There's an SEC filing this morning. He'll get a pretty decent severance package. It looks like upwards of between four and four point uh, five million dollars. Uh, you know, Redwood. You know, listen, they've been around a long time. They they were smart investors. They tried to change their business model a little bit over the years and you know you could say they got caught in in the fact that the secondary market uh, for jumbos didn't take off as much as um they liked uh, though that isn't their problem uh, really per se it it was the Fannie Freddie stuff uh they just didn't work out for them and they couldn't make the numbers work uh so now they're they're going back to the roots of being a, an investor in mortgage securities and, and other things that are tied to that business uh you know they had a pretty a decent fourth quarter earnings uh, but, you know, uh, Brett is now gone. He was there 20 years. Uh, and as the press statement knows, I, th- I think it notes that Brett Nicholas led the team that built Redwood's residential loan and capital markets platforms, and there's been cutbacks there. But, uh, you know, listen, Redwood will uh, continue to, to, to forge uh, ahead, and it will be interesting to see how that company goes in the next uh, three quarters. Uh, we have continuing coverage from uh, Brandon Ivey of our staff, who was at the ABS uh, Vegas conference recently. There was a, a bit of talk about why the non-QM market hasn't taken off. Uh, he went to one session where Chris uh, Haspel spoke. He's with Promontory. He used to be at the CFPB. Uh, the volumes are, listen, a lot lighter than where people thought. Uh, that's a, an important market that probably would be doing a lot better if it wasn't for all this concern about trade errors and secondary market exactly. legal liability. Until that piece of the puzzle gets fixed, uh, I don't, no one expects non-QM lending to boom, but you know, maybe if they finally fix this fear about legal liability in the secondary market for trade errors, that maybe finally that market will take off in earnest, but it, it's not happening yet. Uh, also on, on the, um, in the daily today, uh, more talk from due diligence firms about due diligence firms working on that very same trade fix. So you should check out that story. Uh, and Piper Jaffrey's had a little some commentary about what they think is going to be uh, the mortgage earnings picture, profitability for uh, depositories for the first quarter. Looks like it could be pretty decent. Uh, and in short takes, we, we talk a little bit about uh, the Fannie Freddie uh, merger plan that was put forth uh, on, I think it was Thursday, by Lou Ranieri co-inventor of the MBS, a couple of uh, former Obama administration officials, five authors 
to this paper, and they're you know they come up with an idea called the National Mortgage Reinsurance Corporation. Uh, anyone who hasn't read that white paper should. It's online. Uh, I think you can link to it probably through our website somehow, or at least find find the details. I have the URL somewhere, so if you want to email me, I could send the URL the report. A lot of interesting and sober ideas about how to fix Fannie and Freddie. Uh, in short takes, we we you know toy around a little bit. Well, this new entity is called the National Mortgage Reinsurance Corporation. What are we going to call this thing for short, Fannie and Freddie? And what do you call the National Mortgage Reinsurance Corporation? We floated the idea of NIMRIC. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly a, a serious name, but if this thing ever comes alive, it's going to need a short name because no one's ever going to call it the NMRC or uh, National Mortgage Reinsurance Corporation. So, uh, And just one other people note, um, for those following the presidential election, uh, Ted Cruz uh, from your home state there of Texas, yeah. uh, he's picked apparently Phil Graham as an economic advisor. Bill hasn't been in in the Senate for a while, but uh, as you well know, he was a former senator from Texas. He at one time headed the Senate Banking Committee, and probably most importantly, he's a deregulate deregulation-minded person. Uh, not to say that Ted Cruz is going to get elected president, but if he does, uh, I'm sure deregulation is going to be big on the Cruz agenda. So, and uh, so uh, Phil Graham is going to be there for as uh, the advisor. Makes That's a mortgage banker smile on that one. Yeah, who knows about deregulation? You know, we had deregulation of savings and loans in the 1980s, and that didn't go so well. Yeah, <laughs> that was a $150 billion dollar bailout. So, uh, you know, the deregulation sounds nice, but the devil's in the details. So just keep that it mind. always is. That's a great point. That's why I love reading your site, because you bring out both sides. You really do a good job of... Uh, quote that one network fair and balanced i think you do a good job on this paul and I encourage people and our listeners to sign up if they haven't already done so find sign up for imfnews.com sign up for the daily email and it'll land in your email box it's really good stuff great information thanks paul appreciate it very much thanks for having me have a good week you bet always a, always a pleasure thank you let's shift over to alice alvey alice good to have you here with us a uh, quick update on the um, legislative front I know you were traveling last week, so it's great to have you back. Yes, thanks, everybody. It's glad to be back. So I'm glad to be back. <laughs> so, um, a couple of things. On the legislative front itself, you know, we're still trying to watch transitional licensing. Uh, for those of you who are thinking just legislative, that isn't moving anywhere. Uh, we just, we're, we're not sure we're actually will get any movement on it, but that's really the main piece of legislation that we think is of benefit that we'll be watching. Um, while I was out, FHA did issue some information to clarify their loan and lender level certifications. So as you all know, right now we are expecting to use a new HUD VA addendum to the Tunnel 3, and that's going to start for all case numbers as of August 1st. You can get the form from FHA's website. Um, Ed Golding's issued several um, write-ups about this, and there's a side-by-side comparison on this. But as I've gone through the side-by-side comparison, there's still some challenges with just moving wording around. And I was talking to the head of a very large national mortgage company, and he was concerned. He felt that there really was a shift in liability, and that even though FHA is trying to change the forms, they still really haven't clarified everything, and the lenders are still feeling like we have a lot of liability. But one of the main changes that jumps out at you, if you take a look at the new HUD addendum on the front page, it does now separate that we're warranting the accuracy of the initial 1003 separately from the accuracy of the final 1003. So that was one of the changes. And you're going to certify that the information is all accurate at that time. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, I'm going off of verbal information in a lot of cases. Good loan office, you know, especially with TRID, where it's a little more difficult to get all the paperwork that you need up in, in advance. Um, so it's a heads up that there are there is some concern about, you know, did this really change our liability? It moved it to the lender certification level. Some things came off of being at the loan level, off of the, the, uh, the addendum, and moved to the lender level. And it really does feel like, you know, as a lender, you're taking on some more responsibility. Now, the good things that were cleaned up this you know, page three and, and several other sections of this were um, having to clean up, you know, the, how we use the form today. So some things definitely are, are good. Um, the other certification I would say is a heads up on page four of the addendum. You now have to certify you have done a complete 
review of every loan. So at the loan level, you're going to certify to basically it's in the 4,000 where they talk about pre-endorsement review and you, means you're auditing that entire file as if it had, the, had to actually be sent to HUD like you did in the old days. Today, I think a lot of lenders might do a little mini review and then if the loan actually gets called up for audit, then they actually conduct a full review. But you're certifying, you've conducted this full complete review on every single loan file. So take, a time to, take some time to take a look at it. Make sure you understand how your certification responsibilities are going to be changing. And of course, you are certifying all the way through underwriters, and loan officers, right? You're not just certifying the principles of your company have not been convicted in the bar. You're going all the way through that even your loan officers and underwriters and processors have, are not subject to any HUD unresolved findings, are in complete compliance with the SAFE Act. So definitely worth a good study, and um, we're happy to help if you have any questions on that. But be careful. A lot of lenders feel like their risks and certifications are getting stronger and tougher, and you're just going to have to tighten up your operations to make sure you're able to stay in compliance should HUD show up at your front door. So that's my notes for today, Dave, and I'll pass it back to you. I'm excited to talk with Keith today. I know. I'm looking forward to that as well. Folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break with Sam Garcia and a couple of other updates. And we got the Prophet Doctor ahead up here. Looking forward to it. He's been out for a while, so it's good to have him back. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Well, that, there you go. It's good stuff. Check it out. Indicom. Good to have Sam Garcia with us. I'm always looking at his website as well, looking at the news. I mean, we bring these people on, guys like Sam and Paul and various ones that participate here because of the content and the value of that it can bring to your organization. Sam, reading over your notes here, you got some good stuff. I was looking at the clock, so we got to crank through this. We just have so much fun, and the time does fly, but it's good to have you here, Sam. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on, and I'll, I'll take you quickly through this. Uh, first up was our uh, mortgage market index. It was up 8% last week. Um, that index, though, uh, which is based on rate lock volume by open-close clients, was down by nearly a fifth compared to a year earlier. Um, the categories that uh, had week-over-week gains uh, were arms, FHA rate locks, and purchase financing. So uh, that's uh, what happened as far as new loan activity last week. We put out our uh, biggest mortgage lenders report for 2015. Um, mortgage Daily estimates there were about $1.7 trillion in mortgage originations for all of last year. That's based on data we get from the FDIC uh, on credit unions and also uh, from uh, the NMLS. Um, so business was up from $1.3 trillion in 2014. Uh, one thing that happened, we saw a shift. Bank share originations last year was 43% down from 47% in 2014, while at non-banks, uh, the share climbed to 48% last year from 44%. So we saw a shift, uh, which had been happening for a while, from banks to non-banks and originations. While Wells Fargo maintained its number one ranking uh, in originations last year, Bank of America and PHH both moved down the list a little um, also, Wells Fargo was the biggest servicer again, while Aquin moved down from number five in 2014 to number seven last year, at the end of last year. Um, we, Fannie Mae released its first quarter 2016 uh, mortgage lender sentiment survey. Uh, that was a survey of 229 senior executives, including chief executive officers and chief financial officers of its, uh, of its partners that do the lending. And for the second consecutive quarter, the share of lenders that reported an easing of credit standards was, uh, was down. So a little bit tighter. Uh, also thinning was the share of uh, executives who indicated that credit standards had eased. So uh, uh, a similar move there. Um, we, we covered FHA last week. Uh, HUD put out some data on FHA operations for January. And we came up with uh, 
nearly $18.5 billion in residential loans that were uh, endorsed by FHA, and those include single-family, uh, home equity conversion mortgages, and Title I uh, loans. Activity was up less than a percent from December, but businesses soared 41% from uh, the same month last year. The downside of that report was that 30-day delinquency, including foreclosures and bankruptcies, worsened to 60 basis points from December to 12.67% in January. And in fact, that was the highest rate that we've tracked since January of the prior year. So it's just like uh, we see nice improvement across the board on most residential delinquency. But FHA had a bad month last month, or not last month, but in January, of course. Uh, Black Knight uh, put out uh, its delinquency report indicating that 30-day mortgage delinquency, including foreclosures, fell 64% in February to 5.75%. So overall, loan performance is better there. Radian uh, put out an e-bulletin last week indicating that it is generally lowering its rates for borrowers whose FICO scores are less than 660 and whose loan terms exceed 20 years. And uh, that's interesting because that move followed, uh, I think it was about a month earlier, where they reduced rates for higher FICO borrowers. Uh, finally, uh, one of our another story we covered last week was uh, that Freddie Mac reported it auctioned off 1.4 billion dollars in deeply delinquent mortgages, and that deal was done in two different transactions. So uh, those are some of our recent headlines from the last week, and uh, hopefully, it'll leave you enough time to hit uh, everything yeah. you want in for the rest of the show. Oh, you do a great job, and thank you so much. Uh, check out Sam's website at mortgagedaily.com, or get a hold of Sam at two one four five two one thirteen hundred. Great amount, of good, excellent information, especially when you're looking at trends. And there's just a lot of great reporting information, news stories. It's a great compliment to what Paul does over there. So kudos to you on a, doing a great job, and appreciate you being here with us so much. Thank you so much, Sam. Go I appreciate do. it. Thank you, David. You you bet. Appreciate it. Uh, let's take a look at ArchMI. They have their latest Raystar program. We've got Jim Jump with a pre-recorded comment about uh, that program, and uh, I want to hear from Jim. Hello, David, and thanks for having me on the program. Today I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive rate program. It's called ArchMI Ratestar, and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide our most competitive rates match precisely with your borrower. Ratestar is now available, and all you need is your NMLS number to start using Ratestar today. RateStar allows for our customers to obtain our most competitive rate for each loan they insure with ArchMI, and in many cases with considerable savings over traditional rate card pricing. Mortgage originators are letting us know that they like how easy it is to access RateStar, just how easy it is to use, and they really like the innovative design. RateStar is available to our customers via ArchMI's website at archmi.com or archmicu.com for credit unions, and the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and product and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you for the time. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. Jim is the Arch Mortgage's Chief Marketing Officer. They do a great job, but you should get to know their staff. Their field staff is outstanding. encourage you to head out to their website. Excuse me. Get to know them as well as you can go to our website. Click on their link, and it'll get you over to a page that'll help you navigate to your local rep. Get a hold of your ArchMI representative right away. Andy Shell, good to have you back in the house, my friend. The Prophet Doctor is back. We miss you when you're gone, and love you hey, sharing Dave. your world of wisdom. But you're doing another webinar. You you are Mr. Webinar, man. Yeah, it is good to see what you've got going on. Give us a give us an update of all that's got happening. Well, thanks, Dave. I got three things, and and yes, I love doing the webinars. I love presenting information. So that that's really a fun thing to do. Um, first off, real quick comment back to what Alice was talking about with all these FHA certifications. I'm also seeing some talk among compliance officers, compliance managers, about their liability for error and defect within their company. And so there's a kind of a move afoot to sort of structure compliance manager liability and, and get some level of level of assurance that they're protected through various means. Um, yeah, we got a webinar coming up, Dave. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about servicing and subservicing. So it's everything you always wanted to know about servicing <laughs> but were afraid to ask, Way like how to, yeah. how to launch servicing, when to get into it, how to pick a subservicer, how to manage a subservicer, and 
like what's a multiple and and why should i retain servicing what's the roe what's the what's the, what's an msr and an srp and what do all these acronyms mean uh along with some issues about what are the most common mistakes and how do you know you did it right obviously you got to have performance measurement i love performance measurement it's one of my most favorite topics and and i'm so excited to have keith on the show to talk about that you know we're in currently working with a couple companies to help them increase their efficiency or said another way decrease their operational time frame and we're doing this by implementing some workflow assessments some other stuff uh and you know we we show the owner wow you can save you know a total of two days in a month or five days in a month or, you know, 10 minutes with every 30-minute process. And they're so excited. They're so excited. But you know what? With, without performance measurement, you can't preserve the enhancement because you, you don't even know if it's working or not. It won't, it won't last. And also, obviously, you got to have buy-in from the staff in order for these operational enhancements to work. And, you know, there are tons of tricks and techniques about – how to get buy-in from the staff in order for the enhancement to to stick to become part of the part of the activity is like an operational enhancement is like putting a retainer in your mouth, but if they or, or braces, but if you don't actually tighten it down and then have a constant pressure over time, it won't stick. And so you got to have a way of measuring it. Yeah, you got to have a way of measuring it, and you got to have buy-in, 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 and more buy-in. So there you go, Dave. There's my Three minutes of actually two minutes and forty seconds. Staying under five <laughs> minutes, trying to yeah. comply with your get it done it. fast rule. Yeah, well, I'll try. Thanks, you Dave. do a great job covering it. It's good. It's good to have you on, Andy. It's always fun to hear about it. And I think the the key is measurements. I like your analogies. That's what's one of the things I. You're a great teacher, uh, and how you teach complicated topics and bring it to a level that most everyone in any organization can understand is really a gift. Appreciate you being on here with us for very much. Thanks, timely Dave. Brought- very much. It's good to have you here, friend. And it's now uh, we we uh, it's good when you brings up how to measure key performance indicators is one of those things. Motivity solution. John Maynell's got another. One. In fact, this one we did last week, and several people. Could you replay that this week? So we're going to replay the the KPI of last week with John Maynell, VP of Client Services, and uh, here it is. Hello, Dave. Thanks very much. Great to be here as always. And this week we have another key performance indicator related to TRID. And the KPI is underwriting to closing days. And like all TRID metrics, the focus is the estimated closing date and how far in advance a file should be submitted to underwriting to make provisions for any and all underwriting eventualities, possibly multiple resubmissions, and leaving enough time after final approval to finish the loan and deliver the closing disclosure on time. A very common practice for lenders that have automated their analytics with mortgage business intelligence like Movation is to have the system automatically send email alerts to participants on those loans that are running late and at risk of missing these milestone deadlines. Now, This allows loan participants to continually reprioritize their workflow to ensure they remain compliant, clearly demonstrating again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you once again and turn it back to you. Thank you so much, John. And again, our hearts go out to everyone there at Motivity Solutions and the family with the loss of Todd Sherman. It is just one of those ones that's so difficult to accept that, and uh, we're just going to have to deal with it. And uh, But great company, and the best thing we could do to remember him is to push out the importance of key performance indicators and what a powerful tool it is. Folks, if you haven't checked it out, check out MotivitySolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. We have as our special guest, Keith Pulaski. I've uh, been wanting to have, uh, who's the principal and co-founder of Radius Financial Group, someone I've been looking forward to having on the broadcast here for podcast for some time for a number of reasons. Now, Keith actually did a brief um, uh, stint with us when we were doing broadcasting live from Motivity's uh, user conference in Denver back in September, and it was I, I caught on to some things but it's energy and passion that comes through this gentleman. What a leader he is for his own organization is becoming one of the rising stars in the mortgage industry. You're going to hear a lot more. MBA has already been into his office. David Stevens has been there. And it's not because they're doing things poorly. It's because they're doing things really well. And we introduced to Keith a process improvement. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about is how it started getting kicked off at his company, 
and we're really thrilled to have you with us. Keith, I just want to make sure you're on the line. Good to have you here, sir. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you. And it is, uh, you're located, we should tell our audience, uh, Radius Financial Group is located up in uh, Boston, South Boston area, just south of Boston just a bit. But it was, it's been an honor to be in your offices now, working with you and your talented team. And I really want to tell, let our l- listing audience get to know you just briefly. Give us some insights into your background. Let our listeners get to know you here briefly, Keith. What did you start yeah, in the industry? Uh, a little background. Sir, yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, been in the industry about 25 years. Started at one of the major uh, mortgage banks that was out there back uh, G- GMAC mortgage days. And my business partner, Sarah Valentini, and I um, – Thought we could provide a better customer experience, and uh, you know, started our company about 17 years ago. We 17 years this November, and we've uh, you know took a lot of really good things out of our previous employer. But uh, we've tried from day one to enhance uh, both the internal and external customer experience on the way that we do business, and. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and uh, believe me, it's been a ride because if you've been in the business long enough, you you know the ups and downs that we've had over that period of time. Well, I think you you look at Radius Financial Group; it is it's a very successful company. Again, you've been long around since when? When did you start? Started in '99. Started in '99. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's been around, and I think there's one of the parts of the story which I want to talk about as we get more into leadership into our leadership series is how the two of you and you and Sarah are quite different in your personalities and I think speak briefly to the company and the success and that difference can actually be a diff- it can really be a powerful thing talk just briefly about that so our listeners get a little insight Yeah I mean I if, if if you were looking outside and many, I think many times this happens to people that get first experience with us you would uh, you might say you know how do these how have these guys been working together for 20 plus years uh, they seem uh, polar opposites and the reality is is uh, we both are respectful um, of the skill sets that uh, we each bring uh, we complement each other uh, we have strengths where the other has weaknesses. And uh, I think that has really been uh, one of the keys to our success. Uh, is it always uh, pleasantries? No, as you as you personally <laughs> witnessed, it, it can it can it can get a little uh, emotional. But uh, you know, the reality is, at the end of the day, if there's one thing that's in both Keith and Sarah's knitting, is uh, the fact that uh, we both recognize passionately. Uh, the value of our employees, and the only reason our company exists is because of our employees, and that's really in our DNA. So if there was a if there was an anchor to how Keith and Sarah are able to pivot around each other, it is about uh, being true to our employees and our employees' families, and and trying to make Pretty opportunity there. Yeah, you do a great job of that, and and you guys are very very different. But I celebrate that because I think there's a lot of people that are in partnerships with companies and go i just can't take this you know i think if you walk away from those things that are so different you miss out that opportunity and i think radius financial group is a great example of two very different individuals coming together to have a very powerful company and then you come back to your people and you do have an outstanding management team there in place now let's talk a little bit about your decision to get into business process modeling and mapping and notation bpm process really going through and looking at efficiencies and alice and I had the, you invited Alice and I to come in and work with you. It was a real honor and privilege. And I want to talk briefly. What ca- You already have a pretty well-run company, Keith, and you've certainly been purposed about being efficient all the way along the way. Why is it that one of the better-run companies saw the need for this? Well, it, it really started uh, three years ago, and again, uh, my heartfelt uh, compassion out to the Motivity family and to uh, to Tyler, um, obviously, you and I first met uh, David out at uh, the Motivity User Conference. We've been um, we've been a power user of uh, Motivity for three plus years, and we really saw it as uh, uh, the intelligence that we needed to know whether the things that we were doing they could be measured. Uh, that we had consistency in the organization at all departmental levels. And too often, I think many companies get trapped into their gut tells them that this is the best underwriter, the best processor, or the best originator. And uh, we really 
uh, took that paradigm and said, well, you know, the gut is great, but I really need to know factually and from a data point standpoint who is performing and who's performing within the company set metrics. So uh, we first deployed uh, Motivity, and then as Trid came upon us and Trid's got a you know a great great idea that they'd like the closing disclosure out uh, three plus days prior to uh, consummation, and that's been a challenge even back in the HUD one days because we all know that HUD ones have been produced in the morning and and closed in the afternoon, and we said to ourselves uh, we just can't have a regulator pull three days out of our process, so even though we're measuring stuff, we're not sure that we're doing it the best way possible, the most efficient way possible. And we got to figure out how to wring three days out of our existing process, which we thought we did good, but we certainly didn't want to turn around and be one of those organizations that said to the realtor community, we're we're 100% retail, traditional purchase producer, and go out to the realtor community and say, yeah, TRID's going to affect your closing dates, and we don't know how to manage it. So it really was born out of TRID that we had to figure out how to wring three days out of our process, if not more. And uh, we said that we needed uh, to bring in some outside experts to really help us look under the hood and look into the factory that we have here and make sure from a department-by-department level that uh, we were doing either industry best practices or refining our own practices, which uh, obviously we uncovered that we had a bunch of mini factories inside our factories, which always drove me insane and still drives me insane to this day, but we've made some great progress. Well, I think you have, and I'm going to come to Alice in, Alice in just one second, but I think the fact that you have always been very strong, Keith, as long as I've known you, you've always preached the message, we're going to have one factory, one process, and yet when you dug into this, you found that there were, in fact, many factories. How does that? How does a process like this really go to develop and bring about that consistency. If you could, if you could talk about that and some of the obstacles yeah, so that you I, had to overcome. We're, we're still obviously in sort of the expectation and development stage, um, but certainly the the uncovering of these these little mini processes or what I call mini factories. Some of it just has to do with either from a from a company standpoint, the lack of documentation, formal documentation. If you're a medium-sized independent mortgage banker, you got so many resources. We're not Wells Fargo, where I have 30 people in a training department and 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 can produce all this stuff. And then you have also various trainers. So one processor trains another processor, but really varies from the workflow. And now I've got two people doing the same thing. And uh, it really was important for us to uh, create an environment with with uh, your analysis leadership, uh, an environment that was safe for our employees to tell us how they go about their business and have it be documented so that we could sort of unravel the mystery of how Radius built the loan. And believe me, we're, we, we were good at manufacturing loans. We just need to be really, really better in the TRID world if I'm going to continue to deliver the service to our realtor partners and to our referral sources and our borrowers. And no one can just pull three days out of the calendar that really didn't exist. I don't think they exist in any organization or maybe one or two of them out there. Uh, so we created a, a, a safe place for our employees to share with us how they conducted their business. And this was at department by department level. Every employee in the department was invited into the process. And then we hashed it out. We worked it through, and we made sure that at the end of the day that everybody uh, had buy-in, that uh, uh, they that there was consensus. There was obviously some rough patches where one camp thought this would be the right way to do it, another camp thought this would be the right way. But I have a strong leadership team. I let them do their job. Uh, Sue Goodrich and Tom Brennan, as uh, you work closely with, uh, they really were able to um, – get their people focused and aligned to the process. And then people actually started to recognize, as we started to map this stuff out, they actually started to recognize and say, you know what, if we actually pull this off, which I believe we will, um, we've already seen benefits to our process, but if we actually pull this off, I know that I will provide better service to my internal customers, both upstream and downstream, and will provide better service and create raving fans of uh of our consumers outside of the company so 
Uh, that's that's really you know what we've been doing. It takes tremendous commitment from the management team. Um, you have to trust those that and buy in. I mean, you, you get buy in uh, to go to go to them and say, hey, we we've been held up in 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 the in the industry as a highly sought after counterparty, and now we're telling you we think we can improve and we need to improve by three days to get three ring three days out of our process. Uh, there's some skepticism. They look, they look at you a little bit puzzled, saying, "You just two weeks ago you told us we do great." And um, so it was really <laughs> about, yeah, it was really a, again about uh, creating a safe place. And and from my standpoint, and, and Sarah's standpoint, and Sarah's a, a bit too, it was also having senior leadership. You know, the two principals of the company uh, tell the story of why we were going on this journey. Um, and you also shared uh, in that as we kicked this whole project off. Uh, David in, a, in our in our corporate offices in, in just south of Boston, uh, so we were able to share the share with them not that they were doing a bad job, but we believed that we could provide a consistent uh, experience to both our internal and external customers. We have been using Motivity and business process intelligence and KPIs and scorecards for two years. Not sure that we were measuring everything that we should be measuring, and certainly now that we've done the first big heavy lift of this of this process um i should have started three years ago doing what we're doing now and then laid bpi business process intelligence and the motivity solution on top of a redesigned workflow but uh yeah. we're we're making yeah. uh we're making really really good progress Alice, one of the things that when we were together there that you did that was I was so impressed with is you literally put a calendar up on the wall and you walked everyone through a process to get those three days to really look at home, how important it is you drill into every single one of those days and the process within those days. Talk a little bit about that, Alice, and I also like your impression as we work together on this project. Well, thanks, Dave. Hi, Keith. So, yeah, and it was a day, wasn't it, where we went backwards through the timeline, right? And I think yeah. everybody intuitively knows they have to try and meet these dates, but when you actually put it on a calendar and you start watching out for holidays and Saturdays and Sundays and you really look at the task as opposed to the milestone, that started to open up some people's eyes. And um, so I'm curious how that has evolved now since we've been out there, Keith, where, you know, we recognize that, wow, a fast-track loan might get you there, but if a loan couldn't be clean at the start and it started to have delays, we were losing three days real quick, and, and we may not be able to close a loan um, within 30 days. How has that evolved now since we were last out there and talked through that calendar? Uh, right now, I mean, we're still doing it through uh, through brute force, uh, to be quite honest with you, because we're finishing up all of our visual mapping in our swim lanes. Uh, we've had uh, multiple uh, uh, follow-on meetings to create the service-level promises, uh, those continue to evolve as well as uh, as the uh, our staff, uh, department level staff, are really starting to embrace this. I shared with David over the weekend when we were preparing for the call uh, that uh, our underwriting staff had an aha moment that really then made me go downstream and upstream to bring those people back in the room from a closing department standpoint, a processing department standpoint, and say, all right, underwriting is now committed to this. How does this affect your service level promise? So uh, we're, we're, we're still in the uh, uh, design phase. Uh, we're very happy with where we're at. Some things we've been able to do takeaways and immediately input into the factory. But we didn't want to get trapped by putting one of the processes into place and then thinking we finished. We really said, you know what, we're committed to a we're really committed to a complete mapping of our workflow. Ninety percent of it, Alice, as you or you saw and are aware, where there's not a whole lot of tweaks going on. We're a good manufacturer of uh, quality loans, but we didn't want to get trapped by saying, "Hey, we changed processing and that really helped us up and picked a day and a half up and that's good enough." We wanted to stay true to why we opened this project up. And so we're moving forward. We have uh, stakeholders, certainly on the production side, the sales side, are like one of all these things coming. We want better service. We want all these things. And, and uh, so we're just trying to um, be temperate in our approach to make sure that uh, uh, we get it where it needs to be. But at some point, we will need to make a decision. And I promised uh, David that sometime later this fall, 
I'd be more than happy to come back on the on the show and give an update as to the implementation. Uh, but the the work that has been done has already improved the morale of uh, of all of our employees. Everybody is meeting on a weekly basis to move the ball closer to the goal line, and uh, you just need to stay committed. You need to stay committed to make it happen and, and not let business get in the way. And all too often, um, you know, we all like to talk about continuous improvement, and the organization is, is – uh, Got that in its culture, but you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make uh, commitments by the top level of management, the owners of the company, our senior level management, yes. and and just force it to happen. Well, and I think one that was one of the things I thought was great was just the balance. If you could share with uh, our listeners the the balance between sales and operations, right? This wasn't just about fixing operations. This was a joint across the con- company with. Uh, your philosophy on sales and operations, and sales is huge. Sales is out in front, and because that's what brings business in the door. Can you share with our group a little bit on, on your philosophy there, and how it really covered the entire company, with still a sales focus. Yeah, I mean it has to be. I mean, as a retail originator, I mean we are a sales organization, and sales organization first. The the, the company's DNA is 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 retail mortgage banking. You know, my business partner, Sarah Valentini, is still a producing owner. She has her thumb on the pulse of the market and the pulse of how our factory is running. And uh, our staff is aware of that, but not in trying to create divides or separate camps. It's a collective effort. And uh, we really try to have everything focus on the consumer. And to us, we serve two consumers as a retail originator, obviously our referral partners and then our obviously our borrowers. And then internally, we, we our internal customers are either department level, uh, upstream or downstream, or or the LOs or the salespeople uh, that we're serving. So we try to try to make sure that everybody everybody is working toward towards a common goal, and that's just you know we have a tagline as uh, David, you were making mortgages better, and that's why we try to keep everybody focused on. One of the things that I think you did that was outstanding was creating a safe place, and you but there is there is conflict in this process. It is an iterative process. And I was so impressed when you were talking on Saturday in preparation for this podcast, you were talking about how that you had some aha moments and it caused you to almost go back and change up everything that you had accomplished. So this is very much an iterative process going back and forth, working up and down the assembly line. And it is going to possibly change here numerous times between the time now we were talking and when we have you back this fall. I'm really looking forward to that. What is, what is it that you hope to accomplish? We have just a few brief moments left, but what is it that you hope to accomplish out of this? I, I mean, I hope to accomplish that we have a, a workflow that is uh, – able to be communicated to a new person coming into the organization that they can immediately understand how we go about building a loan from the point of sale all the way through delivering the secondary market and that uh, there is clarity uh, to everybody involved as, as to what their responsibilities are. You know, you talk about business process intelligence. One of the reasons we look to put BPI in is because you want accountability. Well, really, really hard, even though our industry is struggling because we don't have clarity to be held accountable if there's not clarity. So uh, we, we're really striving to do that, and we think that if we follow through in that, uh, we'll continue uh, uh, growing the company and uh, providing experience to the consumers where they just say, you know what, these guys are good at what they do, and they definitely are making mortgages better. You guys are doing a great job on this. I really compliment your staff. I think one of the key things you said is morale is already getting better. And I always point this out when I launch these projects of the top two, three reasons people work at a company is not because of compensation. It's usually they feel good about the first one is usually they feel good about the name of the company. They feel proud to be associated with the company. The second thing is that they are involved in decisions, and that's what this process does. And third is that they feel and they understand that they're what they're doing in the assembly and process of a loan contributes they understand that and this brings that about i just compliment you keith for doing an outstanding job taking a bold step and a company that was really well run before we showed up and obviously is going to be a lot better run as you continue to press through this process i want to say thank you for taking time to coming here and being with us it's very exciting to to hear you talk about this so enthusiastically and i just wish you the best thank you so much for being here sir 
pleasure is mine, and I look forward to coming back in the fall, hopefully, and telling you uh, further successes. I can't wait for that to happen. Really appreciate it. Again, we've had as our special guest, Keith Polaski, who is the principal and co-founder of Radius Financial Group, located in the South Boston area, doing a great job of working through the process improvement. Again, we're trying to make people aware of all that's going on that you can do, folks, out there. We're going to talk to Toby Harris, who's the chief operating officer at uh, Movement Mortgage. He's going to come on and talk about what they've been doing. They've been going through this for a while. You can, you can hear us talking a lot about this in the future and uh, it's something that we want everybody to be aware of. It's so good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week. Next week we'll be broadcasting live from the Technology Conference in L.A. Look forward to seeing you there. I'll be broadcasting live at 10 a.m. out there, Pacific Coast time, regular time for all the rest of you, and uh, we'll be talking to you then from the booth. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a blessed rest of the week. Thank you. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Quoline, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.